Central, I come to you this morning because I know, I know what it's like to feel like you're caught in the shadow. <laughs> a lot of you probably remember this happening. Um, I, can, I can now look back on this and I can be extraordinarily grateful that I wasn't in the vehicle. I can be thankful that I, uh, my guitar was actually in this fire. If you, uh, Kylie, can you go to the next, yeah. So this is my car. <laughs> this, this is spring 2020. I had just come back from an internship I was doing at Countryside Covenant at the time. And I, I parked by the library. I think I was going to lunch. And I had bought some uh, transmission fluid, turned off my car, real, and realized, oh, I need to turn my car back on and do this and that. And so I turned my car back on. And I saw smoke coming up from underneath the seat. Like, I didn't think much of it because a couple of weeks ago we had a party for some, for some friends. And I had, you know, those poppers, those, um, those like celebration poppers. You know what I'm talking about? So I had one of those, and I had like a, a package of those underneath my seat. So I thought, oh, it's just like those popped, and there's smoke coming up. The smoke didn't stop. So I'm like, okay, uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna check this out. Open up my back seat, look under my front seat, and there's a fire. Like there's a little flame. And I think it was Colin that came and said, hey, you need to like your car, like your car is coming up in smoke. You need to get away from your car. I'm like, but it's just, uh, yeah, yeah, no, you're probably right. So I back up. And then it goes off. Like, it's up in flames. I'm like, like, look at that. That's, that's insane. I, this is something out of a movie. I lost a lot of stuff in that car. Um, this is actually kind of a fun fact. The car was a Chevy Blazer. I knew that I would be okay because while it was happening, I just, my humor was still functioning. I saw that my car was burning. I'm like, it's a Chevy Blazer. It's going down in a blaze of glory. Okay, I'm sure. But um, you see my guitar was in there. Thankfully, the guitar case saved the guitar. It was totally fine. I am still playing that today. Um, it, and I'm extraordinarily thankful for it. This is 2020. You know that really crappy year that we all had? Yeah, yeah everyone's like, mm-hmm, I remember that. What if I told you that 2020 was not the worst year of my, my personal life? Not to diminish how hard it was in other people's lives. But 2020 in my life was, <laughs> it was not that bad, all things considered. <laughs> I'm about to have a worse year. <laughs> Let me tell you about 2016. So, <laughs> let me cough. So, for those of you who somehow don't know at this point, I'm actually like a bit older than everybody else here, than most of the other students. I'm 25, and the first time I went to college, it was back in 2016. I was a year out of high school, trying to figure out what to do with my life. So beginning of 2016, I figure, all right, I'm gonna go to this college, I'm gonna study music. And so I'm gearing up for that. 
And at near the beginning of the year, like February or March, my dog dies. And it's like, oh man, that, that sucks. June 16th, 2016, my mom dies. My dad, dealing with the grief, can't work. A couple months later, I kill the mic. A couple months later, as we are gearing up to move, as I'm gearing up to move to a state and to a college that I'd never been to before and a place that I'd never been to before, um, we lose our house because my dad couldn't work and couldn't make payments. So I walked out of my childhood home that I lived at for 14 years, going to a college, going to a state that I'd never been to before. And all the while trying desperately to hold on to my faith. And I, I knew better than to start asking, why God, why? So I kept going. I get to college on my own. I don't have a backup plan. Like this is this is it. If I'm if college doesn't work, I'm done. Like I I, I don't know what to do if this doesn't work out. I don't have to go home to like this. Like I don't have a home anymore. What do you do? So I'm going through college, and first semester season, uh, first semester ends, and I'm like you know. I'm not really studying music the way that I really want to be studying. I can't really do anything with music if I continue here. So I decide, all right, all right, we're going to try Liberty University. Because I'm, for those of you who don't know, I do songwriting primarily and audio production. So I'm like, surely I can go and study audio production at, at Liberty. It'll be fine. I get a job working over the summer. I'm working between two jobs, 70 hours a week. That's not an exaggeration. I'm literally working 70 hours a week. I don't have a vehicle at this point. I actually got my, I got my driver li driver's license the day before I left for college. That's a story. Uh, <laughs> so I got, I got to this college, and um, I'm, I'm working through the summer, trying to pay my summer bills, trying to pay everything, trying to do this all on my own because my dad can't help me because he doesn't have a job and he's still mourning. None of my siblings can really help me out other than like encouraging me and while they're also grieving. And I got accepted to Liberty. My dad drove and picked me up from Salina because he had moved in with my sister living in Salina at the time. And we drove all the way down to Lynchburg, Virginia. We get there, I'm paying for the whole trip. I saved up 1800 bucks, which is hard to do when you have a $600 a month bill that you also have to pay and your own food. And this is like, it was crazy, crazy time. So I get to Liberty and they're like, hey, you can't move on to campus yet because financial aid hasn't come through. I'm like, no problem, no problem. Got plenty of money, sort of-ish, not really, but you know, what are you gonna do? So my dad stayed the night in a hotel. Stay another night. Financial aid still hasn't come through. So I'm sitting here freaking out a little bit, like, mm, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? Like, how can we, like, whose fault is this? 
I'm trying to figure out like what's what's the deal? Why isn't this coming through yet? It never came through. 70 hours a week. I got about five hours of sleep a night because I had to get up and get ready to go in to my first job early. And all these things I'm processing and I'm thinking and I'm like, all that effort is completely, totally wasted and all for nothing. And now I'm having like deeper doubts. And I'm like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting you to, you know, help me get into liberty. I know that you can provide for me. You know, you're, you're the God of the thousand cattle, cattle on a thousand hills. You can do anything. You can make anything. I trust you. I believe you. And I'm, I'm going to keep trying. And, and then financial aid didn't come through. Why, God? Why? On the drive back, I... I was in a dark, dark place. I gave up. I, I, so I moved in to, to my sister's house in Salina. And when I got there, I, I just gave up. I gave up on everything. I gave up on college. I gave up on music. I gave up on life. For a solid year, I struggled with suicidal thoughts. I felt hopeless. So now that I've shared my story of how I got to the point of genuinely asking, why, God? Why? Why does it feel like you were consistently beating me down? I thought you loved me, God. I thought you were here for me. And I didn't understand. If you have a Bible... You can turn with me to Job 1. Y'all think my life is like a little jacked up at this point. You should hear Job. Job 1, 1 through 3. There was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. And he employed many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. So Job has it freaking made. Like, modern-day equivalent. He's got, I mean, what is he? he's basically a Kardashian. That's a little classier. Is that, is that a fair estimate? Got the Lamborghini and everything? I don't know. So it says Job is a good and righteous man. Like, he's a good guy, right? Go on and go to the next slide there. 13, verse 13. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were dining at the old brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. 
I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Seeing a theme here. Um, while he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the desert and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Job is a good and righteous man. And then he lost everything. So the next 30-something chapters, the next 37 chapters is basically Job wrestling with his friends, trying to explain why he didn't do anything wrong and why he doesn't deserve it. And his friends being like, nah, you, you, you had to deserve this, right? You, like, you did something pretty messed up, right? And in the midst of all that, Job is also lamenting and grieving, trying to figure out why God, why? What is going on? Let's go to Job 31. Just, just a little brief, brief thing here. 35 and 37. If only I had someone who would listen to me and try to see my side. Look, I will sign my name to my defense. Let the Almighty show me that I am wrong. Let my accuser write out the charges against me. I would face the accusation proudly. I would treasure it like a crown. For I would tell him exactly what I have done. I would come before him like a prince. So, there's another person here I actually forgot to include, but it's fine. Um, there's, a, there's a person here that Job is also, he's praying, God, I don't have any hope left. I want to die. I'm done. Like, if this is what life is, if this is all that it is, then I, I, like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, would you just crush me? Why, God? Why? So Job cries out to God and begs God to explain himself. Go to the next slide. Job 31, 1 through 11. God responds to Job. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Now, I want to pause here before I say anything else and say, God saw Job. Like, God was in the middle, and he saw that, those 37 chapters of Job wrestling and questioning and doubting and wondering, why, God, why? Why does this hurt? That means that God also heard Job's cries and prayers for him to destroy him, but God didn't destroy him. Verse 4, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Do you know how its dimensions were determined and who did the surveying? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who defined the boundaries of the sea as it burst from the womb and as I clothed it with clouds and thick darkness? For I locked it behind a 
behind bar gates, barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, thus far and no farther you will come. Here your proud waves must stop. So God shows up and he's like, all right, Job. All right, all right, all right. Let's, let's pause here. You think you're so smart. You think that you understand things. Do you understand how a star works? I don't understand how a star works. And, I underst- and I, I'm, I'm a 21st century American, and I know that it's a big ball of gas, and I still don't fully understand. I don't grasp it. I don't understand calculus. <laughs> so... How could I think that I would understand God and his ways? But Job knew this. Job knew that God's ways were higher than his ways. So, if you're wondering today, first of all, if you're wondering if God sees you and hears you, the answer is, is yes. Yes, 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 yes. It is a resounding yes. God sees you. God sees you when mom and dad are going through that divorce. God sees you when your mom dies. God sees you when your car catches up in flames. He sees you. He hears you when you're wondering, why is this crappy thing happening in my life? And you're begging him to take it away. Maybe you don't see God. Maybe you, you are, maybe you just don't get it. Maybe you're in the middle of whatever this is. Maybe it's just finals week and you're like, where is God when I'm like pretty sure I'm about to fail this test that I probably should have studied for a month ago. <laughs> Could it be that maybe you don't see God because you don't want to? If you don't actually want God, why would, why would you expect to see him? Why would you expect to find him? Not that he can't reveal himself to you, not that he can't show himself very clearly in your life, even if you don't want to see it. But when I'm, when I'm upset with somebody or when I don't want to be around somebody or talk to them, I avoid them. Like, I'm like, nope, 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 nope. No, no, I will, like, I will, like, just, I will not go to parties to avoid people that I don't want to have uncomfortable conversations with. So, like, if you don't see God, maybe it's, it's because you don't want to. Work, Mike. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're angry with God. Maybe you're angry with the world and you just don't want to see him. It could also be that you don't know how to see God because it's really hard to see God when this bad thing is happening and that bad thing is happening and you're like, okay, what? I, I, I don't get it. I don't know what to do. Could be that you don't see God because you've forgotten who he is. That's what God addresses to Job. Job reminds God of who he is. 
And here's the thing. When God responds to Job, Job never learns why. Why is not the point. Job never learns why he suffered. You may never learn why you're going through this or that. Even if you even if you did, you may not be satisfied with the answer. And knowing doesn't help much. I can look back and I can say, yeah, my mom died. But, you know, at least I don't have to watch her suffer any more than she already had. It doesn't help. But as I'm wrapping up, as quick as I can. Hey, look, Mike. <laughs> I want to talk about somebody who trusted God completely. Jesus trusted his father to the point of death. Jesus trusted God so much that he was willing to die. And what happened? What happened when the, mic, when the mic died? It came back to life. It started working. Jesus came back to life. So that thing, that really crappy thing, that terrible thing that happened in the end, death doesn't matter as much when you come back to life. In Job 42, God restores Job with double of what he lost. God cares about every one of those aspects in your life. God cared about every aspect in Job's life. He cared about the camels and the donkeys and his children. He cared about all those small details. And when I look back at every moment, those moments where I'm grinding and pushing really hard and trying to do all of this, trying to make it through the semester, trying to make it through... Um, of the 70 hours a week, trying to trying to be strong through all the darkness and the shadows. God was God was with me the entire time. Through every bit of it. If you hear nothing else of what I say today, I want you to know one thing. God is with you. God has blessed me and restored my life. And maybe he'll do that in yours, maybe he won't. But I believe that ultimately, eventually, he will. Because that's who he is. Go to that last slide there, Kylie. This is my new vehicle, new. The Lord provided for me. He provided for me and helped me to know that I'm loved and cared about and that I have a safe place to be even when I lost my mom and my house. God showed how much he cared for me when he put people like Zach in my life that I could go to and talk to when I'm like, I don't know if I even want to continue at Central. I don't know if I want to graduate. I'm at Central today because God continued to work in my life 
And after I gave up on pursuing college and music, I am now about, I'm one week away from graduating, well, one and a half weeks away from graduating with a degree in music. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Wherever you're at, just remember, God is with you and keep going. You can trust him. It's not easy to, but you can do it. I want to invite Pastor Zach back up to close out close out this semester with a benediction. And may you may you receive this and really hear, not just not just hear, but really listen to what he's saying. Because if you are willing to receive this benediction, it has the potential to be transformative. But you have to want it. You have to want God. You have to be willing to take it. Jordan, thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to give a benediction. I'm going to, I'm going to do a charge, a sending, or whatever you want to call it. We're going to close this time. But I have this sense that we, we have journeyed together this year. We've talked about this bigger story that we're invited to be a part of. You got to hear a part of Jordan's story. You got to hear this journey from why God why? To the same thing again at the end, this why, God, why? Like, like how, what did I do to deserve all of the blessings that you're giving me? The same question with sort of a different motivation behind it. And so we've, we've journeyed together as a campus through this understanding of saga, that we get to be invited to live into this bigger story. And again and again, I have invited you into that. I've told you again and again and again that Jesus can be trusted. That Jesus wants to take your life wherever it is right now, and he invites you into the best possible kind of life. And some of you have said yes to that. And we've celebrated that this year. We've celebrated you saying yes to Jesus this year. So my heart for you as we close this time, I'm going to pray and then I'll do a benediction. And perhaps, perhaps as we get ready to close out this year, perhaps God is speaking to some of you in the stillness of your own hearts and minds. He's inviting you to trust him. And so if that's where you're at this morning, I'd like to invite you to pray with me. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for story. We thank you for Jordan and for the ways that you've worked in his life. God, we celebrate that Jordan is with us this morning. That in those deep, dark moments that light prevailed, that you prevailed, and that Jordan is a walking, talking testimony to the hope that we have in Jesus. 
And God, I pray this morning that if there is anyone in this room that needs that hope, that they need to believe that Jesus can be trusted, I pray that you would speak to their spirit today. I pray that they would acknowledge who you are, that they in the depths of their being would say, yes, God, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that you sent him to live for me and to die for me, and I believe that in him I can have new life. So God, I pray this morning that if there's anyone in this room that that resonates with, that you would speak to the depths of their soul. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If that's you, I'd love to talk with you. I'd love for you to seek me out. Um, receive, receive this benediction, these words that we as a community have heard all year. May you go with these words. May you go knowing that God loves you more than you could ever imagine. May you know that he loves you with a love that has no beginning and a love that has no end. It's a love that you don't have to earn, and it's a love that you can never lose. Whether you feel like a success or a failure, he loves you. Whether you feel alone or surrounded by people, he loves you. Whether you feel righteous or guilty, he loves you. He loves you enough to send his son to live for you, to die for you, and to be raised for you. Even right now, Jesus is before the Father speaking words of love on your behalf, and he'll return to renew you and the whole world because he loves you. And this is the most true thing about you. This is the first fact of your existence, that you are loved by God. Before anything else can be said, this must be said. God loves you, and that will never, ever change. So don't forget it. Grace and peace, Central. Have a great rest of your week. Blessings on exams.